This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, you're listening to The Morning Run with Keith Kam and I'm Wong Xiaoning. It is 7.06, Tuesday, the 6th of February. And as usual, in about 30 minutes, we'll be talking about the Singapore banking sector and the recent restrictions on family offices there. But in the meantime, let's recap how global markets closed yesterday. So on Wall Street, it was pretty much a red day as bond yields went up. The Dow Jones closed 0.7% lower. The S&P 500 was down 0.3%. And the Nasdaq was down 0.2%. Earlier in the day in Asia, the Nikkei closed 0.5% higher. In fact, it was the only uh, market that was up yesterday in Asia. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong was down 0.2%. Shanghai's Composite Index was down 1%. Singapore's STI was down 1%. 1.4% and the FBMKLCI closed 0.4% lower at 1,511 points. Okay, so for some insights on what's moving markets, we speak to Yap Junrong, market strategist at IG International. Good morning, Jurong. Now, the Fed Chair, Powell, Jerome Powell, has gone on record saying that the, that the central bank is going to be careful about not reducing rates too soon. It seems like markets are digesting it. Everything was down yesterday. So what are then your expectations for rate cuts in 2024? Yeah, I mean, uh, if you were to look at the recent uh, strong run in economic data, I mean, ranging from the January jobs report to the wage growth data up until the stronger than expected uh, US services PMI seen uh, just last night, I think it is very clear that, you know, the US economy is still running hot. And when the Fed looks at, you know, such data, I think there are bound to be concerns that, you know, the stronger demand will translate to higher risk of a resurgence in inflation. And our policymakers will not want to be too complacent on that. Uh, they may continue to call for more patience towards uh, rate cuts. And if you were to recall, I mean, since December last year, the Fed has been guiding for three rate cuts through 2024. Mm. I believe uh, those views uh, should remain. I think policymakers will not want to uh, sway away from their you know earlier guidance too much because it kind of hurts their credibility. But if you compare it to the five rate cuts that markets are currently looking at, I think uh, market expectations are clearly more dovish, uh, be it in terms of the rate cut timeline or the overall extent of cuts. So I think that really calls for some you know recalibration or readjustment in terms of uh, market expectations. So I think the major risk now is really that we see strong demand translate to this uh, resurgence in inflation. And and that will really, you know, put rate cuts into question. So this is something that is definitely worth uh, monitoring uh, over the coming months. So how soon do you expect a rate cut? Because I'm looking at the Bloomberg page, which shows Fed fund futures. I think they're expecting the first cut probably coming in as soon as June, as opposed to even May or March. What are you? Where, what's your thinking when it comes to the timing? Yeah, so I think generally, um, you know, the Fed is data dependent uh, and therefore the markets are also data dependent. Uh, we are recently seeing this uh, very wild swing in terms of uh, Fed rate expectations, you know, since the start of this year. Uh, I mean, if you were to recall, uh, looking at the Fed Fund's future at the start of the year, I think the consensus was for much. But looking at this uh, strong run in uh, US economic data, you know, now they are saying that March is a very unlikely possibility. I think uh, the, the data are really too hot 
you know, to be uh, talking about uh, rate cuts in the near term. Um, so generally, you know, uh, when we have such data, you know, we will see a uh, rate expectations kind of recalibrate. I believe that we could be looking at uh, somewhat the second half of this year, where we then we will be uh, talking about rate cuts. But looking at that recent, you know, all of these uh, series of economic data that really prove that our demand is still hot uh, and that will really create this uh, risk of a inflation resurgence. I think uh, the Fed policymakers are uh, looking at past historical instances. They really will not want to be, you know, too complacent on that. So I believe that there should be more uh, pushback, uh, at least in the near term, until we see economic conditions really show some signs of uh, moderation. Uh, that isn't presented now. And therefore, you know, I believe the timeline could be more towards the second half of this year. General, if we look at uh, Asian equity markets, we are into the fifth week of 2024. And generally, I see everything uh, as, as, as in the red, except for maybe Japanese stocks. Which countries in the region do you reckon would actually have the brightest prospects for, for equity linked, gro- linked growth, at least for the first half of this year first? Yeah, I mean, uh, you are right. I think uh, surely uh, Japanese equities have been that very hot favorite. Uh, but apart from that, um, my stance is that, you know, um, I have this saying, you know, when China is down, uh, India rises. So I think economic conditions uh, have really been also holding up much better for India. I mean, uh, if you look at corporate earnings, uh, it has been delivering on their end uh, and therefore it kind of creates this story of a divergence with China when, you know, uh, Chinas are not seeing that kind of uh, traction among investors, you know, capital are shifting elsewhere and in this case, we are also seeing some uh, capital, you know, some foreign capital uh, flowing into India, you know, over the past one year. And in terms of supply chain, I think India also serves as a strong alternative to China and uh, looking at regulatory risk is also not as as, uh, you know, unpredictable versus its uh, Chinese counterpart. So yes, when we talk about uh, emerging markets, I think uh, India is a good uh, growth story to look at. Uh, in terms of a stronger uh, global growth outlook, uh, I think the Australia ASX could also be looked upon. I mean, it's a, it's a commodity uh, stock play along with the potential to also, you know, tap on any recovery in China as well, uh, given the strong trading ties between both countries. Uh, looking at the index, it has just recently touched its record high last week. So clearly, you know, also gaining some attraction. So I believe that if it managed to at least sustain a recent gaze and hold on to its new high, uh, then it may continue to board well uh, for the index moving forward as well. If you if we look at India, which you mentioned just now, are there any particular sectors that you might be interested in that people should keep an eye out on? Yeah, I mean, uh, India has really been more of this uh, broad-based story. Uh, I think uh, inflation has been somewhat, you know, coming down uh, uh, around its uh, inflation target and our uh, growth conditions have been holding out. So very much this story is like the US, uh, one of a resilience. And this really, you know, has been creating this uh, outlier among the region. And of course, when you talk about uh, investment, generally people want to put their capital in those uh, economy where it's really holding up. And uh, of course, when China is still struggling with the economic growth concerns, uh, still struggling with the geopolitical uh, tensions, uh, this uh, decoupling 
uh, in supply chain, uh, generally, you know, India seems to be benefiting on a more uh, broad-based scale as well. So, which begs the question, why is Singapore then down 2% for the year? This is, of course, their Straits Times Index. Isn't Singapore one of the more defensive markets out there, especially they're known to have higher than average dividend payouts? Yeah, I mean, uh, Singapore has really been this uh, very ranging story. I mean, if you look at the index, it has just really in this broad consolidation zone, uh, not really doing much. I mean, uh, uh, not really showing a very clear trend in terms of direction. It has just really been uh, very much this uh, a broader indecision in place. Uh, and I believe uh, one of the reasons, I think, uh, of course, if you look at the broader risk environment, it has all been about Wall Street, you know, constantly making new highs. Uh, but when we actually dive into the market breadth of you know the US indices, for example, uh, the gains were actually not broad based, and uh, perhaps uh, not a surprise you have read about in the headlines. I think the gains have been concentrated around the tech sector. So when you have the STI, you know, being more heavily exposed to financials. Uh, rather than tech, I think the performance does uh, fall short of the uh, broader uh, equity markets. And of course, just to provide some context, uh, the three Singapore banks kind of account for more than 40% of the STI and followed by Singtel, the telecom, and a whole bunch of REITs. So it's clearly a value index uh, rather than a growth fund. And all the hype around uh, AI, you know, does really bring a limited positive impact uh, for the index. So I think uh, that could be one of the reasons. Uh, I think if you look at the uh, U.S. financial sectors, you know, there has also been some form of a concerns uh, over that commercial uh, real estate losses. So mm-hmm. sentiments overall on that end seems, uh, you know, a little bit more limited. And if you talk about the shift in dynamics in terms of the rate outlook, you know, generally people tend to sort of worry, you know, that the bank's uh, net interest margin may be affected. You know, that could also be one of the reasons uh, why the Singapore local banks has also not been seeing uh, that very strong attraction, especially as we head into their uh, upcoming results moving forward. So that could really play a part, you know, in uh, keeping the index on this more uh, subdued tone. All right. Thank you so much for your time. That was Yap Jun Rong, market strategist at IG International, giving us his views on actually whether the how soon the Fed will cut rates, why is Singapore market so sluggish. But in the meantime, let's take a quick look at the corporate results that did come out last night in the United States. First off is, of course, McDonald's, the Golden Arches. Now, fourth quarter sales miss investor expectations on slowing growth as the chain is affected by conflict in the Middle East. So their CEO did report that fourth quarter net income, uh, it was $2 billion US dollars, up 7%. Revenue did rise 8% to $6.4 billion. But at the end of the day, they did see Middle East sales, which account for 10% of its revenue, drop after the war bro- broke out due to boycotts. And Malaysia and Indonesia were among the countries that were also mentioned. Yeah, that that's kind of like true. I mean, we, we, we can actually see it with our own eyes over here when you look at the queues or non-queues at, at McDonald's that we used to see before that. For its 2024 outlook though, McDonald's did say that new restaurants will increase its system-wide sales growth by nearly 2%, excluding currency changes. Uh, it plans to open over 2,000 new locations this year as part of a broader expansion strategy. And uh, uh, it also expects comparable sales growth in 2024 to moderate towards more normalised trends.
Okay, so, but they however guide that there will be no meaningful improvement is expected for the segment that includes the Middle East until there's a resolution to the war. Now, the stock is actually down 3.5% on a year-to-date basis. Not super cheap. We're talking about trading at a forward PE of 22 times. Not much yield to speak of, only offering 2.3%. These are all Bloomberg numbers. Uh, in terms of the street, do they like this name? 33 say yes. 11 say maybe, while nobody says it's a sell. Consensus target price for McDonald's is 33, sorry, excuse me, 325 US dollars and 87 cents. The stock was down $11.08 during regular market hours to 285 US dollars and 97 cents. Not so golden after all these golden arches. Uh, but let's turn our attention to a software company, Palantir Technologies. They reported net income of 93 million US dollars for the fourth quarter, tripled from that a year ago. Revenue increased 20% year on year to $608 million. And this is definitely one of those AI proxies because they did see demand for artificial intelligence products boosting driving sales. Yeah, uh, they are actually known for its, for their defence and intelligence work with the US government and they did see US commercial revenue grow 70% year on year. But for the uh, for the last quarter, Plantio reported its fourth straight quarter of profitability, which means it is now eligible for inclusion into the S&P 500 index. 2023 net income stood at $210 million, its first year of being profitable. Not cheap, trading 53 times PE, but the street is e well not so warm on this stock. Only six buys, six holes, eight sells. Consensus target price for this stock: fifteen US dollars and eighty cents. Actually, the stock is down thirty cents during regular market hours to sixteen dollars and seventy. Well, up next, we'll be covering the top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned for that. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.